And today we want to jump right into uh, the passage that we're going to be looking at to kind of set the scene for our topic today. And so we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 5. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, so I invite you to open them up to Nehemiah chapter 5. Nehemiah is found uh, right before uh, the uh, wisdom literature, so Job, Psalms, Proverbs. Um, and so hopefully that helps you in, in figuring out where that is today. Uh, and we want to read uh, verse 1 to kind of, uh, before we jump into the scene and stuff. So here's what verse 1 says. Now, now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Uh, what we see uh, in this chapter is going to be a, a problem that's arisen. Uh, it's something that's been boiling under the surface, and now it's coming to a head. And you know it's a serious problem. You know why you know it's a serious problem? Because the wives are coming too. I, I, I'm not, I mean, in that culture, the women kind of dealt with things in private, right? Even in our culture, right? The elders make decisions, and those decisions are confirmed when they get home, right? Uh, after everything, <laughs> Roger's like, yep, that's, that's usually how it works. So, uh, so that's, th- this is how you know it's a problem. It's, it's something that women usually dealt in, in private, but the problem is so big that now they are coming with their husbands uh, to deal with it. Right, making it public. And so we have to ask the question, what is going on here? And, and, and to answer that, we kind of have to look at the period in Israelite history that we're, we're talking about. Uh, this period that Nehemiah writes in, it's, it's uh, called the uh, post-exile period. Uh, essentially, it's after the Israelites have returned. See, God, uh, he promised them the, the promised land. And, and as he was bringing them out of Egypt, he says, you guys get to live here. Uh, there's only one condition. You have to obey my command. The Israelites said, yes, we will do that. And then they didn't. All right, and we see throughout their history, God constantly trying to uh, turn them back to him. You see it throughout the periods of the judges uh, as he sends different people groups to uh, punish the Israelites for their disobedience, for them turning to idols and not following God. Uh, but after uh, they become a nation, after Saul takes the crown and then David and Solomon, uh, the punishment isn't really people groups coming in and conquering them. And so God, uh, what he ends up doing is he ends up sending prophets, and the prophets are warning them. You, you guys understand that if you continue to do this, God's going to cause something really bad to happen. And that really bad thing happened uh, in about 570 B.C. or so, uh, when Babylon came in and completely took over the Israelites. And uh, the Babylonians, when they took over, they had a certain foreign policy. And their foreign policy for conquering nations was that they believed that if they were to stick together, eventually those conquered people would rise up and rebel against them. And so Babylon had the policy of taking some people and sending them to various parts of their nation or of their empire and then sending those people that they just conquered back to Israel. And so they have kind of like an exile uh, policy. And so that's how Babylon worked. And so the Israelites, when Babylon took over, they were exiled from their land. They weren't allowed to stay there anymore, Uh, at least not all of them. Some of them got to, but not very many. And so uh, the Israelites, for about two or three generations, are not allowed to be in Israel, in the promised land that God had promised them. All right? And then Babylon eventually got taken over by per, uh, a new empire, the Medes and the Persians. We call them the Persian Empire. Uh, and the Persians, they had a different policy. All right? They believed that you can 
have a group of people together. You just have to show them who's boss through taxes and through military might. And so uh, the king of Persia, when he took over Babylon, he issued an edict that said everyone can return home. And so a number of Jews return home, not all of them, but a lot of them do. And we get two books uh, that are written about that time period, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah of the Israelites coming back uh, to Israel. And so Ezra and Nehemiah are about that. So Nehemiah is writing about these group of Israelites who have returned to uh, their homeland. Now, there's a couple of problems that have arisen. All right, and, and Ezra and Nehemiah, they're going to be writing about it. When Babylon conquered them, they destroyed a lot of their country. All right, they destroyed the temple. And so Ezra uh, will talk about, let's, rebuilding the tem- let's rebuild the temple. And they, he gathers the people together, and that's what they kind of do. And so if you read the book of Ezra, that's essentially the main topic there. All right, Nehemiah, however, he looks at the city, and he hears that the walls are gone. All right, they have no way to protect themselves. So even if they rebuild the temple, who keeps, what keeps an invading army coming in and destroying it again? And so Nehemiah is like, we need to rebuild the walls. And so he comes uh, to Jerusalem and he starts to rebuild the walls. And so primarily the main focus of the book of Nehemiah is just rebuilding of the walls. All right. So that those were some of the big issues. But there were a lot of little issues going on as well. See, the Israelites, since they had been in exile for three generations, they had developed a number of different habits that were contrary to what God had prescribed them. And this kind of makes sense to us, okay? When we go to a new place, uh, we tend as human beings to acclimate to the area that we're in, all right? So someone, uh, we see this when someone from the, the north goes to the south and they start to speak in a southern accent, all right? Why do they do that, all right? Not because they're from the south, all right? But it helps them to fit in and, and it's just something that, that tends to happen with us as human beings. If we travel uh, to a different part of the world, we tend to take on the customs of that world, even though that's not really where we're at. That's not who we're from. That's not what we are. All right. And so, so that's just part of what happened. And, and when the Israelites, they went into exile, they started to take on these various customs that the other people groups, other nations had. And the problem with that was that's the entire reason they were sent to exile in the first place. Right? They weren't following God. They were constantly doing what the other nations did, and that's why they went in the first place. And so Ezra and Nehemiah, besides their big problem issue that they're going to be dealing with, they're going to start to deal with a lot of these little things all right, that are adding up. And so uh, in, in Nehemiah chapter 5, we are introduced to one of these, these little things that need to be discussed. All right? And so, so that's kind of what's happening here. Um, the Israelites, they're, they're having problems, and the problem isn't with other nations, it's with their fellow Jew, okay? There's some people uh, that, are, that are causing some harm. And so let's see what that problem is. Uh, we read about it in verse 2. It says, some were saying, uh, we and our sons and our daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must have grain. We must get grain. All right, so the, the issue that they're going to be discussing about is this necessity item, right? Uh, last week we talked about there's really three items that we need in our lives to have security. Uh, we need a, a home, a place to stay, shelter. Uh, we need food in our bellies, uh, and we need safety from other people, from harm, okay, that we're protected. All right, beyond that, everything else is a, is a, a want, all right? And so people, they're dealing with one of these, these primary needs. They need food in their bellies, all right? And so uh, 
this is going to be a problem. And it's going to be a problem for a couple of different reasons. All right, again, the Babylonians, when they destroyed and took people away, they didn't necessarily put the same amount of people back in the Israelite, uh, in the Judea region. All right, and because of this, uh, a lot of the farmlands, they didn't have enough people to work. And so for two or three generations, that's, that's like 40, 60, maybe even 70 years, the land wasn't being worked. And eventually it became wild again. And so they had to reclaim it. And so it took some time for it to develop the ability to, to grow for the amount of people that are coming back. Okay, there's a great number. They, they even say here, we are numerous. Our children are numerous. So they weren't really growing enough food to begin with. So that's one thing uh, that was causing this problem. Uh, another thing, as we'll see here in a little bit, is that there's a famine going on. All right, and famines in that time period were devastating. The, the word in Hebrew literally means to go hungry. All right, we're going hungry all right, because we're going hungry is going on. Right, it kind of sounds kind of weird, but that's what's happening is there's a famine. All right, they didn't have the ability to put things in a refrigerator or in a freezer. All right, uh, they had the ability to salt it, but that only works to an extent. All right, and so preservation was not happening. And so they, they not only are they not uh, growing enough, there's also this famine that's, that's hurting their supplies. All right? And so, so that's what is causing this need and this uproar. But in order to get food and to get grain, they decide that their only solution is to sell their properties. And so that's what we read about in, in verse 3. It says, others were saying, uh, we are mortgaging our fields and our vineyards and our homes to get grain during the famine. All right, because there's this famine going on, because there's not enough grain to go around, we're having to mortgage our houses and our fields and our vineyards in order to buy grain, which is a good reason to do that, right? I, I want food. I want to starve to death. My children are going to starve to death. Okay, let's go borrow on our houses and on our vineyards. All right, and so they do that. They mortgage off, and depending on how nice of a house or how big of a vineyard or how, uh, how good of a land, depending probably on the money that they got. And so they took that money, and they went, and they bought grain so that they could eat. But that's not their only problem, all right? In verse uh, 4, we read that still others were saying, we have to borrow money to pay the king's taxes on our fields and vineyards. All right, so, so the money that they originally probably would have had to pay taxes has gone to buy grain so that they can eat. But they're still hungry, and so they've mortgaged off their fields, and that money that they got from that went to buy grain so that they could eat and survive. And now the king's tax collectors are coming in and saying, okay, you need to pay taxes now, and they have no money. I mean, they've already mortgaged off everything, and, and, and they have nothing left, except that now they have to go borrow money, a new type of loan, in order to pay those taxes so that their fields aren't repossessed. Right? It's just one thing after another. And the problem ultimately that these people are dealing with is debt, right? And an in, inordinate in amount of debt, right? It's, it's getting so much that they are not able to even keep current with it. And we know that because of what they say in verse 5. Here's what they say in verse 5. They say, uh, although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews and uh, though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. All right? Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields 
and our vineyards belong to others. All right, so to get out of this debt, in order to try to, to pay back, they are left, resorted to, the only thing they have the ability to do is sell off their children to slavery. And this seems kind of harsh to us, and it is. You know, we, we live in a society that we don't necessarily see slavery. All right, it's out there. We need to be aware of it, but we don't necessarily go to our neighbor's house and see slaves, right? All right, we're, we, we're beyond that right now in our country for the most part. All right, and, and so, so we don't have this, but in their society, while it's harsh to have to sell your children into slavery, it was something that they did. All right, if you owed a lot of money to someone, the only way you can pay it off is by going into uh, being a slave and working it off. All right, and then once you finally work off your debt, then you would be released. All right, and so, so it's not an uncommon thing to happen, but why in the first place are they in debt? They're in debt to begin with because they need food for their children. And now they're selling their children off to pay for that food that they had to get for their children. It's just this one big, vicious cycle. All right, it, it's one of those things that, that comes with debts. All right, death, debts is, it's a big deal. All right, it, it's not a sin in the Bible to have debt. The, the Bible never says it's wrong for you to have debt. There, there are a lot of reasons why people go into debt. But the inordinate amount of debt that they have, that is a big deal. And it's a big deal because of what it leads to. It leads to stress. It leads to greater burden. It leads to them having to sell their children. Imagine the fights between the mom and dad on that. All right, we have to sell our daughter. Oh, really? Why not the son? Well, because, yeah. I mean, imagine what that would have been like. And it all comes to a head here in Nehemiah chapter 5. So what I want to talk about today is, is this idea of debt. And I think it's a major problem in America. Right? Uh, debt is, again, it's not necessarily a sin issue, but I think it's a stewardship issue that we need to talk about. Debt affects so many people. I, uh, there was a recent report that came out about the third quarter of 2016, and it said that the average debt in, of American household uh, in, in that third quarter of 2016 was $132,000. Now, some of you were probably like, man, I'm good. <sighs> All right, I don't quite owe that much. Jacob's like, yep, that's me. <laughs> some of you are like, man, that's it? I mean, I have a lot more than that. I mean, debt is a major, major problem. In fact, they say that uh, total, the amount of debt that Americans owe is $12 trillion. Man, that's a lot of money. All right. And that's everything. That's your mortgage. That's your, your car payment. That's your credit cards. That, that's everything that you owe to someone else. Student loans. All right. That's it. All right. And they even say that there's a saying that says that debt is as American as apple pie. And, and the reason why we say that is because it, it seems to be true, right? We have a lot of it, and our government has a lot of it, right? I mean, our government is probably worse than we are, all right? Right now, it's somewhere around $19 trillion uh, that is public debt that our government has borrowed in order to do various things, all right? A lot of money. If every American household had to pay that off one day, it'd be $209,000, 
And I don't know about you, but I don't have $209,000 just lying around to give the government. All right? That, that's just the debt that we have, and it's increasing. See, in 2008, we had this thing that economists called the Great Recession. You know, that's, we, we lived through it. We know what it is. It's where the housing market crashed. It's where uh, there weren't enough jobs and people started to be laid off. It was a bad time. And a lot of people tighten their belts, even, even companies. They tighten their belts. But this same study that talks about the debt of Americans, they say that in this year, 2017, we're going to have more debt than we had in 2007, right before the Great Recession. And we haven't learned anything. We're still borrowing for stuff that we really don't need. Right? Debt is bad. All right, it's not necessarily a sin, but it causes issues. It causes problems. And there, there's good reasons to go into debt, okay? Like, like there are good reasons, all right? The people in Nehemiah's day, they went into debt because they needed food. That's a good reason to go into debt, all right? If you have a medical procedure that costs lots of money and, and you can't pay for it, that's a good reason to go into debt, if, especially if you need it in order to live. Right? There are good reasons to go into debt, but I think a lot of the reasons we have debts are not good reasons. I think a lot of the reasons why we have it is because we're not wise with our money. And so we want to kind of uh, talk about this idea again, by, and I'll stress this over and over again, okay? Debt in and of itself is not the problem. The problem is when we have inordinate amount of debt and the issues that that causes. See, debt in the Bible is allowed by God, but it was never meant to be long-term. And we know this from, from a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 15, uh, where Moses is talking to the Israelites, and he says this. He says, at the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. How awesome would that be? Just think about that. All right? Every seven years, whatever you've accumulated, it's just is gone. All right? He says, this is how you're to be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan that they have made to a fellow Israelite. They shall not require payment from anyone among their own people because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. But the only way for this to work economically is if you based your loans off of when the next Sabbath year is coming. All right? So if, if uh, the Sabbath canceling debt year was last year, you can get a six-year loan on whatever you're wanting to purchase. Right? If we're about halfway there, you can get a three-year loan. If, we're, if it's next year, yeah, you're probably going to get a one-year loan. Right? The only way this works economically is if they do this. Okay? Uh, other, I mean, you're supposed to give uh, and, and not expect repayment in those last years. All right? But for, for collectors, for lenders, that's the only way that makes sense. And so our debts, they're not meant to be long-term. All right, we're not meant to have these debts that are go on for years and years and years. All right, uh, we have, what, 30-year house mortgages? That's a long time. All right, just think about that, 30 years. Where are you going to be at in 30 years if you get a new house mortgage? In uh, Japan, you can actually get a 100-year house mortgage. I mean, imagine that. You're paying that, and your kids are paying that, and their kids are paying that mortgage. All right, that far in, a, in the future. Right, that's, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense to tie your family to this, this debt. Right? Another reason why we know that we're not supposed to have debt is something that, that Proverbs 22.7 says. It says the, the borrower is slave to the lender. 
right? It's this understanding that, that borrowing money makes you a slave, and it really does. I mean, when you're afraid to answer the door because a debt collector is coming, you're a slave to fear. And as Christians, we're meant to be free. We're supposed to have freedom in our lives, all right? And so we should not be in debt to the place that it's just crazy. See, long-term debt, it, it causes all kinds of issues. It causes financial strife, right? When we, when we have bills that we need to pay and we don't know where the next money's coming from because we have so much other debt that we have to pay as well, that's a problem, all right? We shouldn't have that type of strife and stress in our lives, all right? It sometimes is hard to keep a balance with all of these different things that are going on. It causes harm to relationships. One of the key reasons why people get divorces in America today is because of financial issues, debts that they have, spending more than what they make. Right? This is a problem, and it's hard to get out of. Right? It's hard to get out of long-term debt, and we understand that. You know, we, we understand that when we go and buy a, a new car, and then we pay off the car, and how much is that car worth compared to what you've just paid with all the interest and all that other stuff on top of it? It makes no sense to do that, right? It, it, it's hard to get out of it when you have such high interest rates. You know, the average credit card, their interest rates are about 17% on average. That's, a, that's, a, that's where they get you, okay? If you have credit cards, this is where they get you, just to kind of play this out. Let's play some of this out, okay? The average credit card debt in America is $16,000. A lot of money. If you, if you only had a, a fraction of that, if you only had $4,800 of credit card debt, and you only paid what was the normal minimum of that, you know how long it would take you to pay off $4,800 at the minimum? 40 years. It'd be better for you to buy a house, right? 30-year mortgage, you got it paid off and you have a house to show for it, okay? All right, but if you just paid off $4,800, it would take you 40 years and the interest alone is $11,000. You pay double on your interest than what it actually cost you to buy whatever it was that you bought for $4,800, all right? That makes, that makes no sense to do that. Right, but it's, it's what we do, and it takes years to get out of it sometimes. Right? Debt is bad. And the problem is, is we keep spending even as we're trying to pay off debt. And we keep adding to the credit card bills, and we keep adding to all these things. Again, it's not bad to have a credit card. If you have a credit card, you're not in sin. Right? Don't hear that from me. What is bad is getting into debt for purchasing things that, that you can't pay for. Uh, you should be paying off your credit card bill every single day because other or every single month because otherwise you're going to get stuck with a 17% interest. And you'll be paying for stuff that you don't even get. All right? So what are we to do with all of this? All right, here, here's where, where I think we need to go with this. See, debts, it causes stress, and we need to be stress-free. And so I think, I think my challenge to you is this, is that if you're in debts, let's set a goal together. All right? Let's take this principle in Deuteronomy and, and set a goal that in seven years we're going to be debt-free. I mean, how awesome it would be if everyone in our church was, had no debt in the, in within the next seven years. Imagine 
what we could do with that. See, see we, if we had no debts, imagine how much we could give to the kingdom, to the work that the kingdom is doing. Imagine how much we could impact this community with the funds that would be flowing in to do these various things that we want to do. See, a lot of times as a church, we're limited based on what we have, right? There's some things that we can do that are free, but there's a lot of things that we can do that aren't free, and we can't do them if we don't have money. And what happens is when we as a church are so much in debt individually, we can't give quite like we could if we didn't have debts. And so let's, let's try over the next seven years to do this. And this may mean that you have to seriously look at your finances. Right? This may mean that you have to seriously look at what we talked about last week. And if you weren't here last week, it's online, KentuckyRoad.org. Very simple website. Go to the sermons tab and you can listen to it. Right? It may mean that you have to seriously look at living with less in order to get out of debt. My wife and I, we, we, uh, we're accepting this challenge, okay? We have one thing that we're in debt for, and that's our mortgage. All right? And so our goal in the next seven years is not to have a mortgage payment. Uh, ideally, we would like to do it in three. All right? In three years, we want to be completely debt-free. And the reason we want to be debt-free uh, is because we want to give extraordinarily. We're not holding back our giving. All right, we're giving a good amount already uh, over our, the 10% that's prescribed in the Bible. All right, we're already doing that, and we're going to continue to do that, but we want to be debt-free so that we can give more. And that means that we're going to have to give up a lot of things. All right, my wife and I have already said, you know, we're not going to give each other presents, okay? Uh, no Christmas presents, no Valentine's presents, and, and our relationship probably will survive that, okay? So you don't have to give gifts. All right, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to do that. Uh, we also chose not to nickel and dime. The problem with, with trying to get out of debt is often we nickel and dime, right? So I love to take my kids with me someplace I'm going, and while we're there, you know what I do? Hey, you want this candy bar? Perfect. All right, that's nickel and diming. All right, and so we're going to try not to do that, and it's going to be hard. You know, we have five kids. They're all cute. They all look at you with those big blue eyes. They're like, can I please, Daddy? You know, it's going to be hard for me. It also means I'm going to give up subscriptions. You know, I have a subscription to uh, MLS Live, all right, which is a soccer. I can watch all the soccer games. And some of you guys are like, who cares about soccer? But I do, all right? Uh, and, and, and that costs money, all right? And so, so we're going to give that up. And, and we're going to give up other things that we've chosen. And we want to do that because we know that once we're out of debt, once we don't have a house payment, once we're not tossing that money into interest, that we're going to be able to do extraordinary things for God. That we're going to be able to give to ministries that need it so that they can do extraordinary things for God. And that is what I'm excited about. And I hope that in your life, if you have debts, that you would want to be excited about those things as well. So I encourage you to seriously look at this. And, and, and honestly, I don't know your situation. You may have no debt at all, and that's awesome. All right, continue to be in that way. I'm not even going to respond to that, Jacob. <laughs> all right, you may have no debt at all, and that's awesome, and, and I would encourage you to stay in that type of lifestyle. But if you do, let's move past it. Let's get beyond it. Let's in seven years celebrate that Sabbath 
uh, celebration, that year that we can say we are debt-free and we are going to do awesome things for God with that money. Let us do that. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for uh, the book of Nehemiah. We're grateful for the causes that he stood up for. We pray, Father, uh, that um, we will not find ourselves in hardships like the people of Israel at that time. Uh, We pray, Lord, that we can move past debts. Uh, We pray that that if we're struggling with it, that that you give us the strength and, and the ability to stay focused uh, to get out of it. And we pray for the funds to be able to get out of it, for good jobs, for uh, the ability to, to uh, just supply the needs of our family. And, and Father, we look uh, towards this future and we pray that we can uh, just be debt-free so that we can give extraordinarily to your kingdom. Help us to be good stewards, Father. Help us to uh, not find ourselves with inordinate amount of debt and help us to, to be people that are living free. We ask these things in your name. Amen.